the study. If you'll just write those in the comment section, uh, then I'll be more than happy. We'll open with prayer and um, kind of go from there. We're going to be in Ephesians tonight, uh, finishing up chapter 3. And so uh, I want to just encourage you to, um, if you've got your copy of God's Word, or if you're going to use a phone or iPad or computer, if you want to go ahead and get that out and get it ready. Um, like always, you'll see me looking down to uh, check to see if there's any comments, uh, questions about the, the passage of Scripture we're studying. And so just uh, kind of let you know kind of where we're at. Um, so I'm going um, to go ahead and open us in prayer. And I um, and, uh, appreciate Johnny coming over and helping me set up the, the lights and things. So uh, appreciate him taking the time to do that. So hopefully... Um, you know, it's a, it looks a little better uh, on the other side. All right, well, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity again to, uh, to join with one another, with other brothers and sisters in Christ via Facebook Live, and we're so thankful for a platform like this that we can study your word. And, and so I pray tonight, Lord, that as we look at the, the end of chapter 3 in the book of Ephesians, uh, that you would speak to our hearts and minds, uh, help us to uh, apply it to our lives in a practical way, and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you've been doing the studies with us, and if you haven't been able to, I encourage you to go back on our Facebook page and, and kind of watch the, the studies that lead up to, to tonight. Um, that Ephesians is really split into two um, sections. The first three chapters of Ephesians deal with um, doctrinal issues. And, and when I say that, all I mean is uh, it kind of lays out a, a theological argument for what we believe. Um, so Paul talks about uh, the Gentiles and the Jews being one people, the, the separating wall being torn down, and now we're one body. Um, he, he deals with issues like that. Uh, and then in chapter 4, he begins with more practical things, like how we live it out and, and what does it look like to live a, a faithful life for Christ. And so that's, that's next week. And what we have today is really like a bridge between the doctrinal section in Ephesians in the first three chapters and the practical section of, of Ephesians uh, in the last uh, four through six. And so really this prayer that Paul prays here in the middle is kind of a transition where Paul's transitioning from um, real heavy doctrinal stuff and, and real deep kind of theological issues that, that we need to, to sit and ponder and think about and um, meditate on, uh, where in Ephesians 4, it's going to get more practical, and this is what we need to do as, as believers. This is how we should live if we believe the first three chapters of Ephesians. And so in this prayer that we're looking at um, tonight, uh, there's this, this really neat statement in verse 14. It begins with uh, this transitional statement. Uh, where the Apostle Paul says, for this reason. And so when he says, for this reason, he's actually referring to the previous paragraphs, uh, what he's been talking about at the beginning of chapter 3. In our case, at the beginning of chapter 3, the, the Apostle Paul is talking about how the Gentiles and the Jews have now um, become one, been grafted into the family of God. And Paul, like, like other apostles, that he's been entrusted with the revelation uh, by the Holy Spirit of God, specifically in this instance, that it's been revealed to him that the Gentiles uh, who have received the gospel of faith are fellow heirs uh, of the promises of God with the Jews. Uh, they're, they're no longer 
two groups, but one group, the separating wall between the two had been torn down. Um, and so the two um, are members of one body. The two are members of the body of Christ. And therefore, they, they both, Gentiles and Jews, have access to God. And so when Paul opens this section of the text with for this reason, the reason is what we've just talked about, that both Jews and Gentiles can now approach and have access to God. And so since we all have access to God, uh, regardless of our background, our race, the, our language, our ethnicity, regardless of all those things, if we are Christians, we really have more in common than we have uh, differences. Um, and so that ought, ought to bring us together, first of all. But, but then Paul, as he's transitioning in this section, and we have this little prayer, uh, which is a transition from the doctrinal issues in the, the first three chapters of Ephesians, going to the practical. Um, Paul says, for this reason, since we all are a part of the same body, since I have been entrusted by the Spirit to take the gospel to the Gentiles, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. I think just, um, just pausing for a second and looking at this notion of posturing ourselves before God, uh, I, I would just submit to you, I would say that, that kneeling before God, it, it encompasses more than just falling on our knees. It, it is a heart, um, it is a mind issue, it is uh, the way that we approach God, this notion of kneeling before God. And so it's bringing everything under submission to God. It's recognizing who we are before God. And so recognizing who he is in light of who I am, then I kneel before him. That I'm recognizing that he is king of all, lord of all, sovereign of all. And so since we've all been grafted in and have access to God the Father, for this reason, Paul says, I kneel before the Father. Of course, he's kneeling in this particular section in prayer. And so in verse 15, which we just kind of begin the prayer, verse 15 is going to lead up to, the, to where we dig into the prayer a little bit. It, it says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So again, God's sovereign of all. He's in control of all. Um, nothing catches God by surprise. And so Paul's just, uh, he's beginning to pray. And, and even in his prayer, though, he's addressing the issue of who God is and what God is like and how good God is, how great God is, how loving God is, how merciful God is. And, and so he's about to, to enter, well, he's entering into prayer for the Ephesians, the believers in Ephesus. And, and again, so we're transitioning from doctrinal issues, what we believe about uh, theology, what we believe about God, what we believe about Christ, and what we believe about the body of Christ. And then we're going into chapter 4, which is, okay, if we believe these things, practically how do we live that way? How do we, how do we live out what we believe? And now we have these few uh, verses, 14 through 21, where Paul's transitioning between the two. And that transition is in the form of a prayer where Paul's lifting up, praying for the Ephesians. So um, he recognizes um, who God is in his posture. He kneels before God. Uh, he continues further with who God is and what God is like by, by, uh, in verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And so there's nothing that um, gets by God. God. God is sovereign of everything and sovereign in all things. And so Paul recognizes that even in his description of uh, coming to the Father in prayer for the Ephesians. 
And so we get to 16 through 19, which is kind of uh, this prayer being offered up where Paul's uh, conveying to, the, uh, to, to God uh, about the Ephesians. And so 16 through 19, just, let's read that and then we'll come back and we'll address what the, the prayer actually says. I want to just encourage you as well that if you're watching, you have a question or a comment to, to be interactive with this thing. Uh, if you see something and I don't bring it out, uh, you, I don't think you're being rude. You, I, make a comment of that because I'm definitely going to um, skip over some things or not think about something just in, in light of uh, while we're doing it live. And so we'd love for you to share your thoughts. But also, if you have any questions, we'd love for you to share those. And as they come in, you'll see that I'm looking down, uh, seeing if there are any questions been submitted. And if they are, I want to take time to, to address those. Uh, even though the address might be, I need to get back to you on that. And as always, uh, you're welcome to um, to just direct message me if you have a question about something that's said, or, or it doesn't even have to be a part of our Bible study. I, I invite you just to, you send me a message, and I'll do the very best I can to get back to you in a, in a timely fashion. All right, verses 16 through 19, we see this prayer, the Apostle Paul praying for the Ephesians, and this is what he he writes, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Through faith, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so this is, this is what Paul's praying for us. And so you could really, I, I have it really broken down into four sections as we look at all that he's saying and, and, uh, and what he's praying. First, he's praying for this inner spiritual strength for the believer. So for the Ephesians, now Jew and Gentile, uh, all alike, all uh, heirs of the promises of God can approach the throne of God. Now Paul's praying for them, this body of Christ made up of all different people, all different languages, all different nations. Uh, he's praying that they might, one, have this inner spiritual strength, that, that the Holy Spirit of God may build them up from within. And so I hope that as, as Christians, a part of our faith is we have the very Holy Spirit of God living within us as believers. And this is the same power that literally raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And so we have this power within us. It's not power that we use for our own means or to get things we want. It's not that kind of power. It's not power like the world. It's power actually over the world. And so what Paul is praying is that that we might have this inner spiritual strength, that we might come to understand what a gift the Holy Spirit is, right? And Christ promised his believers he's got to go so something better can come. In essence, I would say what, what Christ is saying there is simply this. Um, I can be with you in one place at one time while I remain here. I can walk beside you and I can talk to you, um, but I can only be in one place at one time. Uh, Christ says, I've got to go so that the Holy Spirit of God may come, in essence. And that is, now God lives within me, goes everywhere I go, uh, has indwelt me so that he might give me the strength I need spiritually uh, to be able to live in a time such as this. And, and you can name whatever time that is, whatever generation. And so, um, so listen, this ought to as well be a model for how we pray for our churches, uh, how we pray for other churches. 
uh, how we pray for our families. And, and that is first entering into a posture of respect, of, of worship, of awe before Almighty God who's sovereign over everything. So just want to make sure you, you understand Paul is, is clearly describing the sovereignty of God and the fact that God is in control of every single thing. And you say, is God even in control of the coronavirus? Yes, God's in control. Uh, it, what about it when, a, when a kid is sick? Is God still? Yes, God's in control, even when everything else may seem out of control. God is still in control. He's sovereign. And so Paul prays that we might be able to, to learn this inner spiritual strength that, that God's given us as, as his children, as the body of Christ, that, that we we can overcome the world because Christ already overcame the world. And so the things we're really struggling with as, as, as a people, as a church, as communities, as uh, South Carolinians and North Carolinians, as um, citizens of the United States, as just part of the human race, what we struggle with, God has given us um, the power spiritually to overcome the things of this world. Uh, through the Holy Spirit of God. And then he moves kind of to the second thing uh, of the four that I think he really emphasizes in the prayer. We can look at it, we will, a little deeper. Uh, but, he, but he talks to us about the indwelling of Christ in our hearts. So this is a little different. It's, uh, he talks about the indwelling of the Spirit, and he but he also talks about uh, really Christ having our heart, Christ being within our heart. And, and so that we might be able to, to understand this that that we have Christ with us and Christ in us, uh, even as we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And so I'm not confusing the roles of the Trinity, and Paul's not confusing the roles of the Trinity. What Paul's saying to us is, yeah, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God that um, convicts us, confronts us of our sin, encourages us, and empowers us to to walk the Christian life. Uh, but we also have Christ, right, who has indwelt our hearts. Uh, and it's, it's this pure love um, for Christ. And so Paul prays that these believers, the Ephesians, Jews and Gentiles, a church made up uh, of a diverse group, that they might be able to understand the, the inner spiritual strength God gives, but they also might be able to recognize Christ within them. Uh, one of my favorite books uh, in the New Testament is the book Philippians. Philippians is just, it's my favorite book. Um, and I guess we're, we all get to have our own opinions about which books we like best. But for me, Philippians has always just been, uh, I love to read Philippians. I love to teach and preach Philippians. Um, and I know we're in, in Ephesians, but, but the book of Philippians is really all about Christ, like uh, Christ is my life in verse 1 Paul talks about. And so I'm just trying to show you the parallel um, so that I'm not the indwelling of Christ in our hearts and our minds. And uh, I, 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 we're having a little problem with some of our connections. So we're going to fix that real quick so that you, um, um, that I'm not buffering the whole time. I think we're, on my side it seems to be running smooth now. So I apologize. Uh, so, Get back real quick, just 16 through 19, the prayer. Uh, Paul's praying that we might know our inner spiritual strength comes by the Holy Spirit of God, the indwelling of Christ within our hearts, so Christ on our hearts and in our hearts, even though we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the, the ability to comprehend um, all the different dimensions 
of spiritual reality. So the, the notion that everything we see, being physical, we can touch, we can sense, we can smell, we can taste things. Uh, but there, the truth is, the reality uh, of the spiritual is, uh, is as real or more real than what we see uh, taste, touch, and all those things of our senses. And so Paul's praying that they might be able to understand um, the spiritual dimensions and the spiritual realities, what's going on around us spiritually, so that we begin to look and say, really, our battle's not with flesh and blood. Our battle is with the spiritual dimensions and realities of, of that which is around us. And so as the body of Christ, we need to realize that, that we fight daily battles that aren't physical in nature, uh, but are spiritual in nature. And, and not only that, um, but that, um, that we might be able to comprehend it. I, I just, um, yeah, I, I want to just think or ponder, ponder on that for just a second, that, that we might be able to comprehend, we might be able to, to understand this, that it might become almost second nature to us, that it, when things are happening, we understand we're not just in a physical uh, struggle but it's a spiritual struggle as well. And most things that manifest themselves physically, now I want to be careful how, that, that you understand what I'm saying, but most problems that we see manifested physically uh, have a spiritual component behind them. Uh, and, and Paul's praying that, you, that we might be able to understand that, that, that we might be able to uh, come to terms with this. Um, and this is where I struggle, you know, just being transparent with you. I, I struggle some with with this because uh, I'm very like um, I have a very logical type thinking uh, my, my you know my, my bachelor's degree is a bachelor of science with mathematics and a minor in physics which is probably not what most pastors uh, go to uh, go to school to take in their four-year degree uh, but that's that's kind of the way I think and process things and, and so I have to be careful because I have the tendency sometimes um, to have my eyes on the physical, what can be explained, what's, what's going on. And, uh, and so this prayer is really important for me. And those who are like me, uh, who, uh, who really are very logical in their thinking. And that is, boy, there's a lot we just don't see. There's a lot that's going on around us. And Paul's praying that, that we might be able to comprehend all that's going on in the spiritual uh, dimension around us. And then he prays for uh, that we might understand the knowledge of Christ, his love for us. And so, um, so Paul's really play, praying that the church could, could really understand the height, the depth, the width, the breadth, and uh, just how much God loves us, how all-encompassing the love of God is, uh, that we might be strengthened within, that we might uh, you know, uh, hold our heads high, uh, understand that that our Savior has already overcome this world, so we're overcomers in this world, and so that we might live that way. Uh, when we're struggling spiritually and physically, that we might come to understand all that's going on around us spiritually, that we might be able to discern that there's uh, spiritual battles that we face as the children of God, as believers, um, and so we need to be able to understand those things. I just I was thinking about this earlier as I was kind of studying and reading over the, the passage of Scripture, and I was just thinking um, what eternity would be like and what eternity will be like in the presence of God. And um, this thought 
came to my mind. Of course, uh, if you know me, then you, you know that my wife, her name's Sonia. And Sonia and I have been married uh, 20 years, working on 21 uh, in September. And uh, it has been a joy and a privilege to be able to grow with Sonia to, uh, as we've lived together and um, grown closer to one another. I, I learn and see more in her. And so it, it's, it's this awesome privilege to watch her grow uh, as a person, to grow uh, spiritually as a believer, uh, to grow as a, as a mother, uh, as, a, as a wife. Um, and, and so uh, uh, however God, uh, however long he allows us to live here on this earth together before he takes uh, one of us home or both of us home, then I will never tire of seeing um, her develop and who she really is. And it's how complex my wife is. And every, every one of us, by the way, are, are so com uh, just complex creatures because we serve a God who has created us so intimately and personally. And so I, I'm excited in this life to get to spend it with my wife learning who she is in Christ and seeing her grow. Uh, the, the reason I was thinking about this is I was thinking um, what it will be like to spend eternity with God. And um, you know, I'm kind of uh, of the view, and, and this kind of goes, that, that we want to we be able to understand God. And, uh, and so I, I would say this, we, can, we, we cannot understand God exhaustively in this life, right? Um, because we have finite minds and we serve an infinite God. Um, and so we can't know him exhaustively. We can't know everything about God. But we, we know enough about God. What we know about God is sufficient um, so that we might have a relationship with him. And that in this life, we get to continue to learn more about God as we walk through this life. Paul's kind of praying, like, as we walk as believers in this life, that we might continue to learn more and more new every day, things about our God, our Savior, the Holy Spirit, that we might learn the love of God and that every day we, we see that we thought we understood God's love and then something happens and God just reveals his love to us in an overwhelming way that's new and fresh. And, um, but I'm thinking about eternity and I'm thinking, you know, we could spend all eternity learning about God. And I'm not sure we would ever get to hear every single thing or know every single So we're going to have eternity to get to live in the presence of God, learning more and more about seeing him uh, you know, in his work and in his deeds and administration of eternity. Um, wow, that's a concept, God's administration of eternity. God overseeing eternity, and we're going to learn more about him. And in, in a sense, the way that I get to walk with uh, my wife on this side of eternity and see her grow and learn more about her, um, the same thing's true about walking in this life, uh, knowing and learning of God. And that's really what Paul's praying here. What Paul's praying is, boy, if we could understand, you know, I pray that the Ephesians, I pray that the church in general, I pray that our members at Buffalo and, and Facebook family and all our churches, that just the body of Christ, as we walk through this life, would come to see more and more who Jesus Christ is, what God the Father is like, how precious the Holy Spirit is to us as believers, 
And that's really what Paul's praying is that we might come to comprehend these things. So in this lifetime, again, we won't know God fully and exhaustively because he's infinite and we're not. We're finite. However, what's amazing to me is that as we walk through this life, Christ reveals himself over and over to us. The Holy Spirit continually uh, leading us, guiding us, convicting us, comforting us, encouraging us, and all the work of the Holy Spirit. And God the Father already is administering or, or having the administration of the kingdom preparing for eternity. And um, that ought to excite us a little bit. It got me a little bit excited. I, I guess it doesn't take much to get me excited. Um, uh, there's not many things, in fact, in this, in this life that excites me too much, except for this kind of thing. Thinking on, just thinking about God and kind of almost getting lost in your thought and meditating on who God is. And Paul's praying that we might be able to comprehend these things, that we might could wrap our mind around how much God loves us. And, and that we could wrap our mind around the fact that God is on our side and God is for us. And that uh, even though in this life there's troubles, God's grace will be sufficient even in our times of trouble and times of loss and times of hurt. And so Paul's really praying that as the church, that we could honestly walk in this life growing in our relationship with God through Christ and dwelt by the Holy Spirit and sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And so uh, it's just amazing that we can walk this life and if God blesses us with long life, we'll never know him fully in the way he really is. But then we get to spend all eternity in the presence with the knowledge of who our God is and what God is like. And so, uh, now don't misunderstand me. We, God has revealed himself to us in his word through the Holy Spirit demonstrated in the life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, return of Christ. We know everything we need to know. Romans 1 tells us that we're, we're without excuse, that the heavens declare the glory of God, that all of nature around us is screaming to the fact that God is real um, and that through Christ we have a relationship with him. But Paul's praying that we might, that we really might focus and know who our God is and be able to understand the kind of God we serve. And so we do serve a good God. He's good. His very nature, the very core of who God is, it's goodness. There's no, that is, God is good. Uh, there's no limit to the power God has uh, in this life and in the life to come. He is sovereign and all-powerful and in control of all things. He is great. And he's loving. Uh, and Paul prays, boy, that, that we could try to understand because what kind of love is this that God has for us that he would uh, design a plan where his son would lay down his life, that he would take on my sin die in my place and give me his righteousness so that I might stand before God guiltless even though I'm guilty because Christ became my sin. He, he became our sin on the cross and so my sin has already been dealt with by God because the very wrath of God was poured out on Christ for me and for you and for the world. Uh, so Paul's praying, boy, that we could comprehend and know 
But it just excites me to know that however long God gives me on this earth, there's, there's a few things. One, the, the closest relationship, human relationship we have to the relationship God wants with his people is the marriage relationship. It's husband and wife. And that relationship is supposed to reflect the relationship we have with God. And so as we come to learn how to love unconditionally our spouse and see our spouse in return love us unconditionally, it is painting a picture of the love of Christ for his church. And so I'm just, it blows me away. I'm just, I'm really excited about living life with my wife, with Sonia, and learning and seeing her grow and become the godly woman that she is and just amazing. And, uh, and, and, and spiritually, my walk with Christ should be reflected in my marriage. And so I get to learn more about the love of Christ each day that I walk with him. Uh, I see more and more of who he is and what he's like. And, and that will continue to the day I die. There, there's nothing, th this right here, man, this is where it's at, right? I mean, God's given us everything we need to know in his word. So we don't have to, uh, you know, we don't have to go seeking, seeking, searching, digging, trying to find who God is. He's told us who he is in his word. Now, when we're in his word and when we're in, in his presence in prayer, what's Paul doing? Paul is kneeling before God in prayer, uh, for the Ephesians because they are a whole bunch of people from a whole bunch of different places who have been brought together to make up the body of Christ. And he would have them, the body of Christ, be able to understand and comprehend the love of God. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I don't know how often you've thought of this or if you've even thought about this, but just to meditate on um, God's love for us and uh, God's compassion toward us and what Paul says is that apart from the Holy Spirit equipping us, we, we could never comprehend the love of God. We can never comprehend the love of Christ. Uh, we could never really know what it means um, um, to, to walk in a physical world with spiritual dimensions and, and realities going on all around us apart from the Spirit of God equipping us to do it. And so Paul's essentially praying that the Holy Spirit of God would open our eyes so that we might be able to see, open our mind that we might be able to know. Um, even you think of the Psalms and open our mouth that we might taste and see that God is good. And so this is, again, we're transitioning from the doctrinal part of Ephesians, the first three chapters. We're about to move to the practical part of Ephesians chapters 4, 5, and 6. And in between that sandwich there is this prayer that Paul is praying for the church that transitions from doctrinal to practical. And uh, yeah, uh, again, like if you're watching, you have thoughts, concerns, pop them in the comment section. If you, if you have a question, pop it there. I'm checking and I'll be glad to try to answer it. Rodney, I agree with you, man. Um, if only people could see this, um, the world would look differently. And the only way people will ever see the love that God has demonstrated toward us already uh, is by the Holy Spirit of God. And so that's really what Paul's praying is that, that the Spirit of God would equip us to be able to understand and know these things. Um, the third and fourth things there, uh, the, the ability to comprehend uh, all the dimensions of spiritual realities, the fact that, that all that's going on around us, um, and... Um, 
there's the special comment here in Ephesians 3.18 um, that I think, um, just I want to just take a second and look at. And, and that's um, Paul, Paul in 18 says um, uh, that, that he's praying that we might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. And, and so just Paul is wanting us to think on, uh, to, to meditate upon, and to try to comprehend the extent to which God loves us. Now, th this is, and this is powerful, right? So, so, Paul, we've just learned all this theological, all this doctrinal stuff about what we should believe. And we're about to go into a section that says, and this is how you should live. So this is how you believe, chapters 1 through 3. This is how you live, chapters 4 through 6. And now this prayer in between um, that we might be able to fully understand what he's already told us. But 18 is especially um, uh, just beautiful uh, as he talks about it. He wants us to picture kind of in our minds like uh, all these different vectors listed, if, if I might could kind of use that, that illustration Imagining lines going up and sideways and diagonally and uh, in front of us and behind us and beyond us. And, and so it's, it's just this picture of this, uh, uh, the height, the width, the depth, uh, you know, uh, of God's love for us that we might be able to comprehend it. And this is, uh, it, it's kind of uh, the author using a metaphor to speak of, of the wonders of God's multidimensional love for us. Um, Go back to Ephesians 1.19 and Paul's talking about um, that the God of power who is rich in mercy. Ephesians 2.4 Paul talks about that he would lavish uh, us with his grace in Ephesians 2.7 and 3.7. And that we would become rich in wisdom in Ephesians 3.10. And uh, so, man, Ephesians just beautiful. But you think about 18 and... Um, the height, width, breadth, width, all, all this of God's love. Now, I think a picture of that is probably Calvary. I think the cross is a picture of um, this multidimensional love of God. You want to know uh, the height, the, uh, the length, the width, the height, the depth of God's love? Look at Calvary. I mean, look what God the Father has done for us through Jesus Christ the Son on the very cross of Calvary. And you get a picture of the, the multidimensional love of God for us. And it's something that deserves and requires for us to get quiet, for us to, to meditate on it, for us to just try and comprehend through the power of the Holy Spirit of God working in the life of the believer um, what God's love really is like for us. He, you know, it's... Um, I just think Calvary shows us the length that God is willing to go to demonstrate his love for us. I think Calvary shows us the, the width of, of his love for us. I mean, arms stretched out wide. I, I just uh, The picture of Calvary is a picture of Ephesians 3, 18. I'm not saying that when Paul wrote it that he's, uh, directly relating it to, to a, a word picture. I'm just saying that when you look and you try to understand uh, just how deep and, and wide that God's love is for us, 
that, that's probably best seen and understood uh, in Calvary or at Calvary's cross. Verse 19, as we kind of are, are winding down, working through this prayer, uh, the, the author, or, or Paul, is speaking of knowing the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So Paul's essentially saying, I'm praying that you can understand something that is not able to be understood. Right? So, I mean, just think of that. I want you to comprehend something that is uh, incomprehensible. Uh, this is the depth, this is the height, this is how much God loves us. And, and uh, that just when we think we, we understand how much God loves us, he shows us another aspect of his love. And, and it's like, wow, you know, it, it just continues to go and to grow. And he reveals it more and more to us in every hour of need. And so um, when the phrase here uses uh, that, that we might know Christ loves for us, uh, to know his love in greater than knowledge. It, it, it is his love. To understand his love is better than to just have a great knowledge of God. And, and so what Paul's praying is not, only, not, not that we would grow in knowledge alone. But what's important is that we would grow in understanding of the love that God has for us. In turn, that should result in a love of us for others. That, that the love of God is so great in my life that he's, he's poured out his love and lavished me with his love and his grace and his mercy, then the natural result of that should be the outpouring of God's love from within me out to those around me. And uh, if, if I'm not loving others, then I probably do not have a good understanding of God's love for me. Because the, the more we grow, you know, this, this idea of gnosis, right? This knowledge, um, this spiritual knowledge that Paul's asking. Uh, when we begin to learn how much God really loves us, not because we're worthy, not because we're righteous, not because we're, uh, you know, God needs us, but just out of pure unconditional unmerited favor the grace of God he pours his love out upon us and he lavishes us in his love and in his grace and in his mercy and uh, that in and of itself should result naturally in me loving other people and so if I'm struggling uh, loving others if I'm struggling really demonstrating the love of Christ to others then probably what I need most is to better understand, to focus again on, on God's love for me. And so Paul is saying to the Ephesians, Gentile and Jewish believers together, uh, now you are one, and, and so you're no longer separated, but because of Calvary and the empty tomb and the ascension and the, the return of Christ, he's torn down the things that divide you. You're now one body. For this reason, he starts his prayer. For this reason, I, I kneel. And what's he praying? That we might know the love of God because the love of God, that the more we comprehend it, the more, um, the easier it is for us to love others. In fact, it's the natural result of understanding God's love for me is love for others. And so I just, um, this is just, this transition between the doctrinal to the practical is, is a beautiful prayer that's, that's really a simple request but that we could meditate on uh, from now until the Lord returns 
that's how deep it really is to consider how much God loves us. Um, that we have Christ dwelling in our hearts. Uh, that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Um, and to just, that we might be able to comprehend these things. That's, that's what Paul's praying, is that we might be able to comprehend these things. And so, uh, so then we get to, um, uh, I get, you know, the prayer went through 19, uh, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God, that we might be able to kind of to know God the way God is. And, and again, we will never be able to, to know all there is about God exhaustively on this side of eternity because we are finite beings and he's an infinite God. Uh, but we can know enough about him. We know plenty because he's revealed everything we need to know on this side of eternity in his word to us and in our daily walk as we grow in our walk with him. Then we ought to know the love he has for us available and then verse 20 and 21 in Ephesians 3 it, it closes with a doxology and this doxology is um, is to give glory to God that's that's kind of what it actually means when we say doxology is this uh, uh, assigning or ascribing would be better ascribing glory to God and so in Ephesians 20 and 21 the apostle Paul says uh, now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Again, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul, again, uh, giving glory to God, says he's able to do all these things. Uh, God's able to take something like God's love for us, which can never be understood, but Paul's praying that we might understand it. And in the doxology, Paul affirms that he is able to do above and beyond anything we could even think, ask, or imagine. And how does he do it? He does it by that power that is working within us. And the power that's working within us is the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And we can't say this enough. The Holy Spirit of God, the power that we have living within us, is the very same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. I mean, the power that brought Christ back to life is the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And we have that same spirit living within us. And yet many times we live so defeated. And it, we should not be defeated. If we've got the spirit of God living within us. We should never be overcome with sadness or loss. Or regret or fear or worry or anxiety. When the God of the universe. The sovereign God loves us this much if we could comprehend if we could meditate on the, the amount the factor which God loves us then uh, life still isn't easy and there's still trouble in this life but it's not a trouble that overcomes us because Christ has already overcome the things of this world and so we are more than conquerors and overcomers with Christ over the things of this world even though we still have to go through the things in this world that are so um, so troubling and uh, so hurtful uh, many times. But God is still sovereign and holy. And so Paul is ascribing glory to God in Ephesians 20. Uh, giving God glory. Uh, ascribing to him all power that works in us. 21 he finishes to him be glory in the church and in Christ. So... So glorifying God, and one of the places that where Paul identifies and says this is where God should be glorified, 
right here in black and white, in the church. And so what, what is our purpose? And our first purpose is to glorify God. As a church, everything we do should be glorifying to God. It ought to be to bring glory to God. To, we don't give God glory, but we, we have to, uh, we've been called as the church to ascribe that glory or to demonstrate the glory of God to those who are far from God. And so Paul writing this doxology of this prayer in Ephesians here says, uh, to him be glory in the church. So we, as a church, our first um, duty is to glorify God. Uh, this is the first place. We are to glorify God as his church, as the body of Christ. And so one of the things we need to ask ourselves as individuals within churches, as leaders within churches, pastors in churches, um, as the church in general, uh, are we glorifying God in what we do as a church or as the church? And if, if the answer is, um, boy, we're, we could do a much better job of glorifying God, then that's the place we need to start getting on track if we really want to see like revival and renewal uh, the Spirit of God being poured out on His church is let's get back to what we've been called to do. Let's not make everything so complicated or programmatic where we're just trying to program everything. Uh, the church has been called, according to the Apostle Paul right here, the church is called to bring glory to God. That's it. The church has also been given a mandate to take the gospel of Christ into all the world. And so when we do that, we bring glory to God. And so when, when we say our, our primary and essential um, demand or command that God's given us is that we're to bring Him glory, then everything that we've been asked to do should bring glory to God. And so our evangelism, reaching out, that should bring glory to God. Our discipleship and, and spiritual formation and growing together in Christ and living together as Christians in the sense of walking through this life with others and not by ourselves, but with other believers in Christ to strengthen us and to share our pains uh, and to celebrate our joys with one another. That brings glory to God. Worship. In everything that we do, we do it with a worshipful heart, then that brings glory to God. And so it's a simple question that we should use to really check everything we're doing as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that check is this, does it bring glory to God? And if it does not bring glory to God, then we need to do something that does. We need to do something that does. Uh, I just, uh, so... Um, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I would, uh, I would, you know, one of the things Paul, I think, emphasizes in this section is, is to move beyond ourselves. To, that our thoughts should, should move beyond us. Uh, they should be on things that are higher and truer and wiser and uh, more gracious. And, uh, and there are times when... Um, you know, we realize that we're kind of at the end of, um, of our rope. We're, we've done all we can do, and now we need God to step in. And, and this, I would just share with you, listen, that we should um, uh, stop focusing on what we can't accomplish. Stop focusing on what we can't do and start focusing on what God can do. Uh, verse 20, again, 
to him who's able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. This is not prosperity gospel. I don't believe you, you name it, claim it. If you give you know, money, you get it back tenfold. I believe God can do what he wants to do, and, and he, he will tell you to do what he wants you to do, and he'll bless you for doing uh, what he's asked you to do. But, but what, what this is really about is that we're, when we're in the center of God's will for our life, the things we ask for and the things we think on are higher and truer and wiser, and they are the thoughts of God and, and the will of God. And in that case, when we're praying the will of God, God is obliged to answer his will. Um, but we need to stop focusing on what we can or can't do. Uh, and we need to start focusing on what God can do in and through us and desires to do in and through us. We've been called to be set apart. Been called to be a, a, a royal priesthood, you know. Um, we ought to be different from the world. Um, and what we should be doing is we, we should have a desire to see the world begin to reflect and be um, shaped by the church rather than the church being shaped by our culture. And, and that's where we are in some aspects today is that rather than the church having the intended uh, impact on the world around us, the world around us is is beginning to impact the church. And that's one of my great fears. Uh, I never want to be against doing new things and changing up what we're doing. How, however, I don't want to just change stuff to, just to be changing stuff. And I definitely don't want to change anything to become more like the world to try to appeal to people in the world. We've been called to be set apart. We have a standard uh, God has given us the standard of, of the way we live and how we live and what we do. People need to look at us and see something different about us. They, they need to look at us and see Christ in us. And they need to look and know that uh, the Holy Spirit is empowering us to live lives above the fray. The church should not be lowering our standards to meet the standards of the world. But the church ought to be living up to the standards God has provided so that the world begins to be impacted and we see the standards of our world communities around us lifted. So stop focusing on what we can't do. Start focusing on what we can. Uh, I'm not going to get into um, to singular and plural uh, ver uh, uh, nouns and Greek and things like that. Um, I think it's pretty... Um, pretty clear. I think that, that the, the English translation does a, a good job of, of presenting what is there. Uh, but I just say as we kind of close out, um, one, since we are all one in Christ, one body, regardless of where we're from, the color of our skin, the language we speak, uh, our ethnicity, what side of the tracks we grew up on, regardless of all those things, if you are in Christ, you are a new creature, and now we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Since we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we desperately need to be able to comprehend and understand the love God has for us and the spiritual realities around us. If we're going to withstand um, the arsenal uh, of the enemy as he tries to attack the church, as he attacks individuals and marriages and families and churches, 
if we're going to withstand those things, um, they're going to have to be done by building on a foundation of Christ. Christ has to be our foundation, the cornerstone of this building or body called the body of Christ. And uh, we need to meditate daily on who God is and what God's like so that as we walk daily in the marketplace, in the workplace, I know that's no one's doing that right now with the stay-at-home orders and things, but even in the way that we approach uh, what authorities in governing positions have asked us to do, uh, that even in that, people would see Christ in us. That, that even as we try to live at peace with both God and man and follow uh, the advice of those who God has allowed to govern, govern us, that even in the way we do that, even in the way we um, conduct ourselves in the middle of a health uh, lockdown, maybe, that others would see Christ in us even in how we do that. How is that going to happen? Well, it will not happen until we begin to comprehend the love that God has for us, the grace that God has shown us, and uh, just how deep and wide and long that the love of God is for us. And so I, I pray, listen, whether, you, whether you've got to, to kind of watch this live and, uh, and you've been going through, through it with us, um, I encourage you, um, if you came in late, if you, if, you, if you didn't see all of it, to kind of go back and, um, and just kind of watch it uh, and, and to really spend some time meditating on the love God uh, clearly has for us. And uh, if Christ is for us, who can be against us, right? We're more than overcomers. Uh, how do we do it? How do we, how do we come to know and comprehend more? Well, we, we need to daily renew our minds by washing our minds with the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spend time in his word. Spend time in prayer. Um, but what a, what a blessing it is that, that God loves us so much that we get to spend this entire lifetime learning more and more about him, seeing him more and more clearly, and then we get all eternity to see and understand and comprehend uh, who our God is and what he's like. And so I pray that that, that never becomes mundane or the routine, but that we are always blown away and in awe by who God is and how much he loves us. And, and that's really Paul's prayer for the church in this transitional section of Ephesians is, uh, church, I pray that God will give you the ability to understand that which cannot be understood apart from him. And so we, we need God to give us understanding of the things of God because on our own, uh, we're not able to. And so my prayer would be that, that God really would uh, equip us and empower us to comprehend those things that are, that are way beyond what we could understand on our own. But through the Holy Spirit of God, we might see him as he is uh, more clearly than we have before. And that as we begin to understand his love for us, that uh, that will be manifest in love from us toward others. And so as St. Augustine uh, famously has said, when we go to God's word and we go to God in prayer, 
then we ought to always come away with a greater love for God and a greater love for our neighbor. And if we don't come away from the study of God's Word and time spent alone with God, with a, a deeper understanding of God's love for us and more love for Him and more love for those around us, then, uh, then we probably need to go back and look at the Scriptures again because that is the impact they will have on us. And that essentially is the prayer that Paul, that Paul prays for the Ephesians. Um, so I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. God bless you all. Uh, again, if you have questions, uh, you can direct message me. You can write them in these comments. I, I'll do my very best to get back to you in a timely fashion. But I uh, do appreciate you taking um, your, your time uh, to spend with us in, in the study of God's Word. Uh, if you think this study would, would benefit someone, um, you know, share it with them or send them a, a message, direct them to where they can hear it. And if you haven't been through uh, the, the other studies we've done starting in, in the beginning of Ephesians and now we are at the end of chapter 3, beginning chapter 4, then I would encourage you to go back and watch those. Let me pray for you and, uh, and we pray that God just will, uh, will allow us to, to understand the love he has for us. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for time that we can spend together, even if it's through a platform like Facebook Live. Well, I pray, Lord, as Paul prayed, uh, that we might be able to comprehend the love that God has demonstrated, shown, and lavished us with. That we might understand the unmerited favor, the amazing grace that God has shown toward us. That we might would be cognizant and understand that there is a spiritual battle going on around us. And that what we face in the physical many times stems directly from what's going on spiritually. And so give us an understanding of the fact that we are spiritual beings created in your image. And that, uh, that we have battles that are spiritual in nature. And when those battles arise, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit equip us. That we would be ready to listen and to heed what the Holy Spirit would lead and guide us to do. Uh, always relying fully on your sovereignty, God, your power, your holiness, your justice, your righteousness uh, in Christ Jesus toward us. And we're so thankful that we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God as a promise of an inheritance that is to come, uh, as a guarantee. And so, dear God, I pray for all those listening, all those who will hear, uh, Lord, that you would just uh, allow them to feel to see and to understand how loved they are by you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.